Podcast One. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, we hear lots about doing code and tech and why we all need to build our capabilities there. But here's a curly one. What about maths and marketing? And don't fall off your chair snoring yet. Your career and business is going to need more of this stuff, way more. A local study of marketers and agency types are asking how they rate themselves on a range of applied math concepts in marketing has many of us admitting we're twitchy and undercooked in the area. Concepts and acronyms like ESOV, negative binomial distribution, and zero-based budgeting are just some of the riveting marketing mass we're talking about. And to talk about this industry survey and what's going on in the market around our understanding of maths and concepts, we have its architects, the survey architects and brand tractions, John Bradshaw, and VML YNR's Chief Strategy Officer, Ali Tilling. Welcome to you both. This could be a sleep session or it could be riveting. And we're going to hear from both of you about why the crazy idea about asking people about maths. John Bradshaw, to you first. Why is this not snore material? Uh, why is it important? And what exactly are we talking about when we're talking about maths and marketing? Welcome, Mr. Bradshaw, a regular on MI3. Hi, Paul. Nice to be here again. And look, here's my thought on this. We spend a lot of time talking about the 20% of the job that's about unleashing creativity and a lot less time talking about the 80% that's actually about making money, which is the purpose of the whole marketing function in the first place. And if we're in the business of making money for our organizations, then there's some counting to be done. So yeah, so about nine months ago, Ali and I kind of asked ourselves, well, how good is the community at the adding and subtracting bit of the job? And we decided to go try and find out. Let me jump in there because, as I mentioned earlier, there's lots of talk and lots of credibility and acceptance that we have to get our heads around code in a technology context. And there's, it's not so romantic and not so sexy for maths and marketing. It's a, it's a, there's a valid gap there, I would think, uh, John. Is that right? Is that fair? I think there is a gap. And certainly what the survey kind of indicated to us is it's not that we're terrible at this stuff, um, but, but we don't have real confidence And I think Ali and I kind of share a perspective that in order for marketing to stay in the boardroom, in the real conversations with the CEO, the CFO, and the the chairman, this is the language of that room. The language of that room is not the language of, you know, disruptive creativity and brand health scores. It's the language of the P&L. It's the language of statistics, you know, and it's starting to take some of the more mathematical aspects of the profession Um, and be able to converse confidently with our colleagues and with our peers on this stuff to make sure they do see marketing as the growth engine of the business, which is what it's supposed to be. Join the dots for us, um, John, and that the, around these maths and marketing themes. Break them down. What are we talking about? You, you sort of, you've got three buckets, I think, you group everything into. Yeah, we, we group things into three. So the first one was kind of statistics and applied statistics. So how do I analyze sets of data and try and identify trend? Second was classic business finance stuff. So how do I understand the profit and loss, the cash flow, and the balance sheet? And then we had this third bucket of stuff that was 
Um, maths as it relates specifically to marketing. So things like tracking penetration, frequency, and where to purchase. Um, concepts like excess share of voice and how we might think about um, different ways of measuring media. And obviously, uh, you know, as you mentioned, the classic negative binomial distribution, probably the most you know, poorly marketed term in the whole of kind of marketing math. So those kind of three buckets of stuff, we kind of asked questions about how people rated their confidence, how often they use it, and how whether they thought it was going to be more or less useful in the future or not. So we're going to get to some of the what some of the results were and how the splits were or not actually between marketers and agencies, creative and uh, media. I think you sort of break those sectors down. Um, but can I can I ask Ali first? What the hell is a strategy director in a creative agency dabbling in math- mathematical concepts doing? This is not your territory, typically, Ali. What's going on? <laughs> I think it should become typically our territory. Um, I think as John kind of spoke about earlier. You know, we, we do talk a lot about the, the create, unleashing creativity for growth, and that is obviously a key part of our role in a creative agency. But to really make that conversation powerful, we need to understand the kind of business business um, functions, the way that the commercials are working, and the way that the way that the maths around what people are doing with brands, how they behave with brands, works as well. And I think. Concepts like um, average weight of purchase, um, the Dirichlet curve, those kinds of things are really kind of key and fundamental to that. I must say, I mean, my involvement in this came from a place of knowing that I felt not as confident with that as I should, as I felt that I should, and I felt would really kind of add to what I could bring to my role, what I could bring to the agency's work and what I could bring to my team. So I think it is really a key area of development. Well, I'm looking forward to actually uh, hearing some of this stuff because uh, it certainly sounds like you can sound really intelligent and that's what I plan to do after talking to you two. So what are some of the key findings, John and Ellie? How the overall sector rate itself in some of these themes and break it down between marketers and agencies? Give us the top line findings. So, so why don't I start with the top line? And I, I think the way Ali and I decli- define this at a kind of overall level is that as a community, we delicately limped over the bar of mediocrity right there's not a huge burning platform where people are kind of desperately incompetent at this stuff but we pretty much rated ourselves as average to middling across the board right which might be fine if we didn't also all really strongly agree that these things are going to be much more important in the in the future so there was this really clear perspective that i'm okay at this stuff average at best but geez i'm starting to use it a lot and i'm going to need it more so there's definitely a bit of ali and i like setting the platform on fire rather than it necessarily being actually a light right now if you look at it from a mathematical perspective (laughs) but this idea that we're six out of ten on the counting bits of marketing which is not a bad you know very unmathematical way of describing a lot of numbers that's kind of how the community feels about it. And Ali, you went through the kind of comments section in some detail, and that kind of highlights that kind of mathematical view that we're six out of 10, right? Absolutely. It was actually really interesting, the kind of the psychology that sat behind some of the results that we saw, because what we were, we were seeing a range of comments about sort of the good, the bad and the ugly, um, people who found it really hard to use maths, people who people who found it probably came a little bit more naturally to them. And certainly one of the things we noticed was that 
people definitely felt where they'd taken the time to learn about a mathematical concept, something like AWOP, for example. AWOP, average weight of purchase, is a great example of being able to get a seat at the client table, I suppose, being able to have a conversation around the metrics that matter to, to clients or businesses. So that was, a, that was a really interesting thing that we picked up on. But I think going a level deeper than that, a lot of what we saw were words coming up. And I did a word cloud, which I know is not a statistically valid way of presenting data. But th what was actually really interesting, words that came up all the time were things like fail, error, caught out, unsure, uncertain. There's this real sense that people feel like if they have a conversation around maths, that that the other people in that conversation are going to be somehow kind of trying to catch them out, trying to make um, trying to make them feel bad or not know what it is that they're talking about. And that makes us less confident. And it makes us, I think, well, a lot of the comments we saw, they make, it makes people less um, happy to explore um, and, and learn these concepts as they go. And I think that's one of the key differences with coding, for example, that you mentioned earlier. You know, people, people feel happy to explore that because we're all starting from, from a position of, of thinking that we don't necessarily come to it with a lot of knowledge. Whereas math, there's this real sense that we sort of ought to know, but we don't quite. Great point. So this on, on the code side, it's need to know everyone's in the same boat. It's okay. With this stuff, you should know and I don't. So let's, is there much fudging or what happens in the, was there any, anything that came through in terms of how people tackle it around a table when, when they're, they're asked? Nodding look like they're knowing something, but actually don't perhaps. Exactly. There was a real sense of, and, and there was one quote in particular that we pulled out that was representative of a lot of what we saw, that there's this real sense of, of nodding along because I'm afraid of, not so much afraid of necessarily being caught out, but almost afraid of being seen to ask the questions and being seen to not know. Um, and that was, that was a really a kind of common thread from a, from a qual point of view. Um, it's just that sense of, I feel like I ought to be sure about this, and I'm not, and I feel embarrassed of not being sure about it. But from the results we saw, a lot of people aren't. So hopefully well, something we can do is, is free up that sense of exploration and curiosity. Absolutely. John, give us the long list of the, the math. And is it math or maths? I never get that right. It's definitely maths unless you're an American. Okay, I was going to say, I was, I'm being influenced. So I say data, not data. So now I'm going to keep saying maths, not math. Thank you, John. So just give us a sense of the big long list of marketing maths concepts that you've had in your study that are important to the market that has been used in, by some parts of it. What are, all, what are they all? And then just give us a sense on uh, how we scored ourselves or how the industry scored itself. Yeah, so probably one of the biggest, most surprising insights we got is if we, if you think about those three buckets of stats, business finance, and marketing maths, the thing the marketing community feels least confident about, you'll be surprised to know, is marketing maths. <laughs> right. Genuinely wasn't what we were expecting to see. We would have thought that might have been the one area where we might have felt a bit more confident and had a chance to shine, but that's not what the data says. We're kind of a solid five out of ten across the board on kind of marketing maths. And whilst people don't have a terrible grasp of things like the measurement of penetration, frequency, and average way to purchase, like that's kind of where you'd expect us to be excellent. That's where we should be stood in the boardroom going, let me explain to you how shoppers shop and what they shop for and how many of them there are and how much they're spending and what they're putting in their basket. And we're not confident there. We're kind of, you know, better than average. And then when we get to some of the 
I mean, they're not even more complicated. To some 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 cases, they've just got slightly more esoteric names, like excess share of voice, negative binomial distribution, reach and frequency curves. Those types of like they're pretty well established fundamental ways of looking at numbers from a marketing perspective. Then confidence kind of falls off a cliff. the The real big one for us was this, and it. it does have terrible branding. The negative binomial distribution or Dirichlet curve, (laughs) what an awful thing to call a really important concept. But it is just a map of how often people shop and how many people shop with that frequency. It's a very simple piece of, you know, of of two-axis graphing. And of everything we measured, this was the one that was people were the least confident about. So this was like a three out of 10 score on, on average across systemic, across gender, client, agency, age group. Like there isn't a little pocket of super confident people about Dirichlet curves. Right. And yet that thing is right in the middle of how brands grow by kind of Byron Sharp and is the absolute essence of the this notion that brands grow when they add customers, not get customers to shop more often. Mm. So whilst it does have a terrible name and like we, both Ali and I stole like brazenly from Vima Schneiders and called it the banana curve, because it's a lot easier to understand a curve that's shaped like a banana if you call it a banana curve. (laughs) But we were, we were genuinely astonished that this thing that I talk about almost weekly with clients like was the thing that we felt least confident about. And it can't just be that it's got an awful, unapproachable name. It's that people haven't really understood how that thing works yet. And actually the amount of maths you need to be able to do that is really, it's not sufficient. I mean, to actually understand the formula, really quite hard. Right. But to understand what one is and how to use it and how to apply it, which were the questions we were asking. We weren't asking people, can you write out the formula that Mr. Dirichlet invented. We were asking, do you know what one of these is? And do you know how to use it? And can you talk about it confidently with a client or, you know, with your boss? Uh, and the answer was a resounding no. Mm. And as one of the most important concepts in marketing, we thought that was kind of interesting. I'll come to Ali in a sec about what some of the qualitative feedback came around that, Ali. But uh, in terms of, just to be clear, John, uh, there's this kind of serve the services sector has the same principles but uses different terminologies to say FMCG. Is that, am I got that, getting that right? Yeah. So instead of saying penetration, frequency, and AWAP, you might talk about acquisition, churn, and ARPU, right. right? But they're just ways of taking human behavior and breaking them into their constituent parts so that you can look at how marketing might influence behavior. Do I influence behavior by getting more people, getting the same people to spend more, or getting the same people to do the thing, to do the buying thing more often? It's at the heart of all of those things. It's really simple maths, right? And this was the other thing Ali and I were observing, which is the actual mathematical operator, it's add, subtract, divide, and multiply. Right. If you can do those math skills, there's nothing in our list you couldn't understand or apply or talk confidently about. It goes back to what Ali was saying about, but it's the confidence to apply those, and it's the confidence to apply those in multiple different ways and to explore, almost like you'd explore a creative idea, interestingly, explore mathematical stuff and kind of push it around and kind of 
cut data in different ways. But you don't need to be able to do multivariate regression analysis to be where I think the profession needs to be. You need to be more confident of the basics and use them more often. Ali, the, the, was there any qualitative um, uh, feedback around that stuff that, that was of note? I was just looking, one of the key comments around the Dirichlet curve or negative binomial distribution, the banana chart that John just referenced, the main overriding theme was just WTF. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear in this forum. And I think that speaks to that sense of some of the names of things potentially putting people off. But I think... Exactly as John mentioned earlier, it's when you think about this in the context of what we're trying to do with it in marketing, what we're trying to do is understand how people behave, what are the laws of how people behave, and how can we then use those to help brands grow, to help people buy the thing we want them to buy or use the service we want them to use. Um, and I think that's it's, it's not coming at it from the point of view of, oh, do you know what this complex sounding formula is and can you recite it? It's actually just the aim we all have in mind, and we're using creativity to get there, but using maths as well to understand some of the, the laws around that. Yeah, great points. And so one of the other things that was uh, I think uh, we talking about earlier was, um, uh, John, that marketers understood business economics or the business uh, numbers better than you thought, better than you expected? Is that right or have I got it the other way around? No, that's right, Paul. On most things, there isn't a massive variance between how media agencies, creative agencies or clients rate themselves. The one that stood out was the business finance stuff. So thankfully, clients were, you know, much closer to the kind of 8 out of 10 mark in terms of understanding the profit and loss, the balance sheet and the cash flow. Having spent a lot of time with a lot of clients on this stuff, I might question whether the claim data is as accurate as it might be because cash flow statements aren't as simple as they're simple looking. But certainly from a claim perspective, clients claim a reasonable amount of comfort with that stuff. And then there is a big step down when it gets to agency world in terms of their level of comfort with the, the classic accounting stuff. And we weren't asking difficult stuff here. We weren't getting into the kind of depths of a kind of accounting practice here. It was, do you understand the difference between revenue, cost of goods, gross profit, profit before interest and tax? Do you understand the role of depreciation? Like, you know, do you know what a cash flow statement is? It, we weren't really pushing people to the edges of accounting here. We were like, are you confident talking about the three key accounting instruments. Right. And that's where there was the big gap. Ali, do agencies, should agencies know this stuff? You're on that side. Clearly clients say they have got an idea. Is it something that uh, on, on the supply side, the service side, uh, they should be across? I think so. Absolutely. I mean, look, do we, do we necessarily need to be across it, all of us, to the detail that clients are? Potentially not. But I think it's really key that there is that kind of foundation of understanding. And I suppose it's, it's for a couple of reasons. I mean, first of all, agencies themselves are businesses and it does you no harm to understand how that's operating um, so there's a bit of our own benefit there and certainly for for how a client's business works and getting that seat at the table particularly when you're trying to um, I suppose sell in a, a kind of more stretch idea that might involve changes in sort of production or, or things like that you do need an understanding of actually the ramifications of that um, and it's also making sure that we're really kind of telling that story of the benefit of marketing. I mean, as John said, we're trying to help brands grow. And if we don't understand some of the kind of functions of how that happens, then 
I think we're sort of missing a trick for the development of the, the future of, of the industry. Individuals and the industry, you're right. And, and, and John, I guess this just goes to this bigger discussion, I guess, around uh, the marketing sector having more deeper business credentials, certainly on the supply agency side, if you like, having an understanding of that because that's what the consulting firms are doing. That's what a whole bunch of others that are got credibility. Is there anything in that or am I just making stuff up? I think you're right, Paul. It's it's embracing the fact that for most marketers and most organisations, the ultimate objective is profit and it's increasing profit and that's why the function exists. There are, of course, exceptions in the not-for-profit sector and all the rest of it, but that's not most of what we talk about. And it's an embracing and an acceptance of that needs to be the outcome, whether that's a short-term outcome or a long-term outcome. There's a lot of nuance we can talk about there, but it's not marketing for marketing's sake, and it's certainly not creativity for creativity's sake. It's these things in pursuit of the delivery of shareholder value through increased profit, and we have to be able to measure that. We have to be able to count it and understand how it's constructed. As Ali was talking about from a marketing perspective, understand how it's constructed out of shopper behavior, because it is. No money happens until a shopper or a customer or a consumer does something behavioral. And then understanding how those behaviors translate through the language of business to the number at the bottom right-hand corner of the page. And if marketing doesn't understand that that's its job, that's why we end up as the colors and shapes and pretty pictures department, which is, you know, the thing I've been railing against for eight years now, because I love creativity, but it's the servant to the master of the bottom right-hand corner of the P&L. Great points. And Ali, what happened when you told your peers and colleagues that you were going to delve into the deep and dark world of mathematics? Did they look at you and roll their eyes and go, sister, you've lost the plot? I think, um, I think people were more surprised at my focusing on that I think right. I think that's probably a bit of a disservice in a way because I think there is a real increased focus on kind of knowing that we need to learn about this um I think people are kind of waking up to that and especially with the with the work of kind of Byron Sharp as as John mentioned Ehrenberg Bass which has been obviously around for a, for a very long time but um has been having increased focus in the past kind of couple of years um, I think that's all starting to change but I think what was really interesting about this survey was really kind of throwing into sharp relief that I think we sort of know vaguely that we ought to be doing more around this but again that lack of confidence that's leading to a lack of curiosity and it's only really through that that you can kind of explore it for yourself and learn the bits of it that you need to know or be confident in or understand. Okay, so what next, Ali and John? What should people be doing? Do they need to do anything? Well, it would be great if um, if people could take our survey if they haven't already. And thanks to all those who have filled it in. If you go to www.surveymonkey.com forward slash R, so R for red, forward slash how maths rocks. So surveymonkey.com slash r slash how maths rocks. Perfect. See, that's what happens when you let a creative person title your survey. You get a you get a creatively titled math survey. Yes, and, and you'll come up with the numbers or someone will come up with the numbers. I, I, I've done it, by the way, and uh, I reckon um, if everyone is sort of average, I'm sitting in the below average, so there's there's my disclosure. What next in terms of the skills, though, say, John? Um, what, what skill sets people should be thinking about doing what? How do, they, how do they build this out? I think it comes back to this idea of confidence and curiosity. 
right? Well, the big the big thing that we're seeing in this is this general unease around this topic, um, for whatever reason that is. But I stand by my earlier assertion that if you can add, subtract, multiply, and divide, you can do 90% of anything that you need to do. The bit that's missing is the confidence to go exploring, to go, oh, look, there's 100 numbers. I wonder how I can add, multiply, subtract, and divide those to see if I can find something interesting that informs what I'm trying to do. I wonder how this P&L adds and subtracts numbers and gets to that. You know, gets to the answer. How does that work? And which bits of that PL could I have some influence on? Am I really just the revenue generating person or are there other bits of this instrument I can I can use? And certainly when it comes to the marketing maths stuff, how do we go from average to, it's not good to great, it's average to great on that stuff. How do we own some of the counting bits of marketing in a way that adds that to our quiver of skills so that when we are in a room with a bunch of people who are much more currently numerically focused, the sales director, the finance director, the CEO, that we're surprising them by how numerically driven marketing can be when it needs to be. Yeah. And that we're not just about the unleashing of creativity that we are about the changing of a mathematically quantified number of shopper behaviors that has a direct revenue impact and actually is the only function that's actually really generating revenue everything else is just a facilitator along the path so i get the argument for why marketers and marketing teams need to do it ali how do you convince your colleagues on agency side whether it be creative media digital whatever, social, whatever, what's going to be required to get them to go, I'm in? I think it's a reframing of the the attitude and the curiosity that we bring to the creative process and using that in a maths process. I think part of what's at play here is that in the, in the creative agency world and, and, and quite a lot in the media agency world as well, we're, we're kind of very used to dealing with uncertainty and helping people take leaps of creativity and, and understanding insights around that. And I think it's taking, it makes us almost scared of an area where it feels like we can, we can kind of be right or wrong and it's a much more black and white seeming area. Actually, it's not. Like if you, indulge, if you use your curiosity in the same way that you use it to explore creativity and just sort of see what are some of the things you can explore and look at and do, and you're not necessarily looking for a right answer. You're looking for what's of interest, what can help me, what, how can I understand this better? So I think it's literally reframing that attitude from one world to another. Ali Tilling, John Bradshaw, I think you might have uncovered a, a slither of gold here that the industry probably needs to, uh, well, not probably needs to tackle. We'll do a follow-up next year, but just a reminder to take the survey, surveymonkey.com forward slash R for red, the letter R for red, forward slash how maths rocks. Ali and John, good to talk. We are very close to Christmas, so that makes me happy and I'm going to go and hide under a rock. Stay safe. Merry Christmas, thank you. Merry Christmas, everybody. MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre, that's moi, in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Nick Slater, music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au or search MI3 Audio Edition on Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button.